part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. It is good to see you this morning as we gather together this morning. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15. If you didn't get a chance to grab some Play-Doh when you came in, you, certainly you can grab some now. I've got some up here, just one for the family where you can kind of have that. There's going to be part of the discussion this morning. You might be uh, saying, you know, Bobby, didn't you, like, a long time ago do something with Play-Doh? Yeah, on, a, on, on one of our fifth uh, Sundays, when we all gathered together, we, I talked about Play-Doh, and I kind of talked about it in the same context as we will today, but you didn't get to actually play with the Play-Doh that day, Okay. And I always wonder how much you really comprehend on the fifth Sundays anyway, because it gets a little bit chaotic in here. But, uh, but anyway, we talked, uh, it was about three years ago, uh, about when the clay is soft. And we're going to revisit that this morning, not because I didn't have a new sermon, not because it's, you know, it was easy to go back, because it, I really changed the text and a lot of the, the, the formation of the sermon. But I love that visual illustration, especially when we come to this time of year, when kids are back in school and they're coming to new teachers and, and studying new things, that we come back to this place of, of just really what the instructions upon us as parents, grandparents, as a community of faith. God, what have you told us is the responsibility that we have to these future generations that are coming along? And so this morning we, we begin with that thought process, especially as it hits us as parents. If you're here today as a parent, you're probably familiar with some of the passages in the Bible that talks about training up a child in the way that he or she would go. It tells us that in Proverbs. Uh, you, you're probably familiar with the verse in Deuteronomy. We've probably used that enough in here on different days that uh, uh, the Bible says, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And if you remember uh, a sermon from a while back, that word diligently means to impress. Now, it doesn't mean to impress like a spanking impression as much as it is. You know, if you've ever been in shorts and you sit down in one of those like waffle chairs and then you stand up and all of a sudden you have a waffle hiney and a waffle, you know, legs and all that, just that waffle is there because you sat there long enough for it to be an impression upon you. And it wears off, but at least for a while, you're walking around and you've got waffle marks all, all up and down your leg. It's this word in the Hebrew means that, that we spend time teaching truths to our children in a way that it makes impression, it makes an impact upon them, so that as they begin to walk, that that impression is there. But many of you as parents have found out that sometimes we have to teach the same lessons again. Because just like that waffle effect, it kind of wears off. You get a mile down the road... And all of a sudden, that oppression is gone. And so the parenting job is a continual job. It's something that we have found out now as parents and grandparents that this is a continual thing. And I like that. I mean, my girls are always going to be my little girls. Even though they're having babies now and they are mamas, they're still always going to be my little girl. And I think everybody in here that's a grandparent totally gets that concept, that we have this ability. Uh, this wonderful, wonderful privilege of being able to parent our children and have influenced them long after they go out from our house. Well, today we're going to open up to 2 Timothy. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. If you don't know the context, Timothy was a young pastor. He loved Jesus a lot. And he really wanted to go out and make impact. 
This is also near the end of Paul's life. Paul's probably a good 20, 30, maybe even 40 years older than Timothy. We don't know exact ages there, but he's really a good bit older. And Paul had served, the Apostle Paul had served as Timothy's kind of mentor, his teacher. And so he's writing here and he's writing these letters to Timothy because he knows that God has placed a call on Timothy's life to preach. In fact, if you've ever been to an ordination sermon for somebody who's going into the ministry, a lot of times we'll pick the text out of these letters that Paul wrote because he charges Timothy to go preach the gospel. Well, in this context, as he's writing to Timothy, he also talks about the culture that Timothy is going to be preaching in. And he says, Timothy, you're you're preaching in a really, really tough culture. Things are really going south. Humanity is really kind of failing. You're going to find out all kinds of things, the frailness of humanity. And in the context of all that, he writes these words of instruction. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. After he gives all this warning about how evil the culture is and how bad, how south it's going to go, he says, but as for you, everybody else is kind of moving in this direction, Timothy? But as for you, I've got another direction I want you to move in. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, that's the scripture, what we today would call the Bible, which you were able to make, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul's writing, he said, okay, Timothy, you're coming out and you're going to start preaching the world that is not always going to be really accepting of gospel truth. You're going to be preaching some truths that are going to kind of go contradictory to the way that the rest of the culture is going. See, we think that we've kind of got a corner on the culture that that mankind maybe has never been so evil, that we really have a really terrible culture in one way that is not thinking biblically in that sense. And yet we find that 2,000 years ago, Paul was giving this same warning to Timothy. He said, look, you know, it's a tough world out there. And he's not trying to be negative just on humanity in general. He's just talking about the sin nature of humanity. And if you go back and read the first part of this very chapter, he talks about in those last days, all these things are going to happen. Paul really thought he was living in those last days. To us, we think, okay, we're kind of living in the last days. Guys, how sad it is. I mean, can you even imagine, again, the world that your children and grandchildren are growing up in? Yesterday, we get this harrowing news of, of a shooting in El Paso, and 20 are slain, many, many more injured. And before the night is over, we hear of another shooting and others' lives that were taken that started out just the same way that you would have started out this day and tomorrow and the next day, just supposing, here's my schedule, here's how I'm going to live. We live in a very, very tough world. And sometimes it's very intimidating when we think about growing children up in this world. We really do want to just protect them. We just want to shield them. I get that. I totally understand this whole mentality of maybe we just close the doors, lock the doors, and we have our little holy huddle. I mean, parents, have you ever had that feeling before? And in a way, he's not telling us not to do that, but what he's saying, okay, look, I want you to come in, but during those times that you come in, I want you to equip your kids for, 
for life in the real world. Sometimes that's going to be in high school when they get their license. And a tremendous amount of freedom comes with a license. It doesn't mean automatic evil. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden a very good child is going to go wayward. But all of a sudden there's opportunity to do some things with freedom that you didn't have before. If it doesn't come then, then it comes kind of in that senior year. Seniors, we rule the school, yeah. You remember your senior year. Yeah, some of y'all need to come and confess at the end of this. You know, I mean, it's just, but then college. In college we go off and all of a sudden, you know, this great cloud of witnesses that we're going to talk about next week, how God has blessed us with a great cloud of witnesses, how people of influence have been there in our lives at strategic times by God's appointment and by his sovereignty to help us when we were ready to kind of go one way and they just kind of influenced us back. We're going to cover that next week. But we looked in, high, uh, in college and, and there was those times when a lot of the things that we thought were foundational truths got challenged. And challenged by really, really smart people. One of the kids that grew up in my youth group early in my ministry was one of our, our best leaders. And he came back and uh, I found out that uh, and he went to a good school. He went to Georgia Tech and he went to, you know, he's learning all these things. And, but he's in with a lot of thinkers and deep thinkers. And I talked to him uh, probably about three or four years into that college journey and uh, asked him how things were going. And he said, well, you know, you're probably going to be disappointed, but uh, I still believe in God. I just don't believe in Jesus anymore. I don't, know, I don't believe that Jesus was you know, who you always said that he was. My heart sank. This was one of the leaders of our youth group. I mean, this guy I would have put up against anybody. And yet, going out there in a challenging intellectual world, and he, I, I appreciate his honesty. I said, man, I appreciate it. Man, I'd be praying for you. And, and, and I hope, you know, that, that Christ shows himself big in your life so that you come around. And, and, and to be honest, I don't know where he's walking these days. I, I don't know. But I know that all these vulnerabilities are out there. And so, in one way, as parents, we're going, okay, well, we're just not sending our kids to school. <laughs> we're not going to send them to college. In fact, they're going to live with us for the rest of their lives. Yeah, until they're in the basement playing Fortnite all night, and you're going to go, <laughs> you're out of here. You go get a job <laughs> and clean up the place. It smells. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, what, what's the right answer there? We can't protect our children forever. And so what do we do? The Bible tells us, instruct your children. That the best protection that you can give your children is to instruct them so that things are on their heart and their mind as they go out to the vulnerabilities of this culture. Again, keep it in context. The context that he just said in the beginning of the chapter, man, things are really going south and they're going to go even more south in the future, Timothy. This world is, is sometimes kind of a harsh place. But look what he said. He said, continue in what? Firmly, what you firmly, firmly believed. He takes these two things. And he says, I want you to continue in what? The things you firmly believe. Now, you can't continue in something until you have something to begin with, right? And so we begin to look, and, and he begins to talk about how Timothy, young Timothy, was instructed from the very beginning by a very godly mom and a very godly grandmother. 
Not saying that the fathers weren't involved, but in this occasion, those must have been the two really spiritual influences on his life. Because look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. In the beginning of this letter, he states this, this truth about Timothy's life. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Be pause for a, th- a theological pause really quick. You cannot save your kids. We, we get that, right? That your salvation is not their salvation. Do we understand that? That individually we come to Christ, we trust him individually? So you can't save your kids. Your salvation is not their salvation. And yet your instruction and your example has great influence in their life. He can't say continue in if there never was a foundation that had been laid. But he saw the foundation that had been laid by a godly grandmother and a godly mother. And he says, you continue in on this faith. I saw their faith. I've heard about their faith. Now you continue that because I see now their faith in you. You've personalized it. And this is our hope. We can't save our children, but we sure can influence our children. And we can show them the scriptures, and as he says in that verse, that shows them the ways of salvation. See, we expose them to, to this, and this is what Paul was talking about it. That, and, and there's many times that they're going to stray from the path. How many of you that are loving Jesus today were taught, now this is going to fit everybody because some of you have come to know Christ later on in life, but you were taught as a child by a godly mother or grandmother or father or grandfather to love Jesus well and to follow Jesus. And yet there was a time in your life you strayed in that. Anybody kind of fit that? Okay. So, so, yeah. so there's a lot of confession here this morning, right? That we know that we've done that. And, and yet, so it's not that our children are not going to kind of go to the left and, and try the right and then try to do those things. But that we've laid down this foundation. That's our instruction. And that's what God has told us to do. He said, you lay down a foundation... And then you start building upon that a formation of belief. The only foundation that we can lay there, guys, is not good works. It's not trying to be a good person, trying to get along. The the foundation that we lay there for our children is Jesus Christ. He's the only foundation. And so constantly come back to the hope of Christ. And so, you know, please don't teach your kids religion. Please don't teach your kids, you know, just the, the... just the moral without the person? Because the morality without the person is legalism, and it's dry. It's actually pretty offensive to God. No, it all comes through in this person of Jesus Christ. is more than just the law. And that's why, you know, even Jesus, when he confronted the Pharisees, who were all about the law, he, he said who their father was. He said, hey, you follow after your father, Moses, the teachings of Moses. Why? Because they identified Moses as the giver of the law. So this is a consistent message of Jesus and all those that follow after him. Teach the foundation. They're going to stray, as we all stray from time to time, and yet that foundation is set. How many of your children know Mandarin Chinese? I I understand that Mandarin Chinese is the hardest language in the world to to learn from the beginning. Would you agree with that? 
you've been over to China, and I don't know if they were speaking Mandarin or not, but uh, supposedly the hardest language in the world to speak. How many of your children are fluent in Mandarin Chinese? Are your kids just not bright? Because there's a whole country of little children half the world away that are speaking Mandarin Chinese. Do you get the connection? Their culture, they speak Chinese because that's their language. And so for a little four-year-old in China to speak Mandarin Chinese is not really an obstacle so much because that's the culture that they grow up in. That's their native language. They learn it because that's where they live. And they're not more intelligent than your kids. They just happen to live in that culture. Now the point is this. We're growing our kids up and cultures that are in combat. There's certainly a culture, uh, the gospel culture, that God has said, okay, this is what I want your kids to, to kind of know and, and to, to learn. And I want your, your kids to, to, uh, to just think this way. And yet, they go to school, they go to work, they're growing up in a culture that oftentimes is, is quite opposite of that. The whole point is, the culture that kids grow up in, that what they learn, as they are growing and maturing, it's going to be a culture that comes quite natural to them. Never do I want to take the supernatural beliefs that we have in spirituality and say that they're just natural because they're not natural to man, but they can be natural to your kids and that if they grow up in a home that is just gospel-centered, if you're just really excited about Christ, if you love Christ well in your home, I can promise you your kids, they're still going to rebel, they're going to stray, just like you did at some... But they're going to grow up and that's just going to be natural to them. And that's what Paul is talking about. Continue on in what you have learned. If you got your Play-Doh, and I realize that just one of you has Play-Doh, mom or dad, you're here. If you take your Play-Doh, go ahead and take it out. But you didn't. But they're not doing this in other churches this morning. You go, hey, we got to play with Play-Doh in our church this morning. A couple great truths about Plato. It's fun. You can mold it. You are the creator. That's the ability. Most guys, we end up just making something really simple. We'll go, okay, this is about the limit of my creativity right here. Ball. Okay? Others can be, you know, some of you have very artistic things, and you're starting to start making all kinds of creative things. But, uh, you know, the great thing about Plato is that you're kind of the controller there. You're, you're kind of making things. And I want you to imagine that these are your children, okay? We're not trying to, to in any way um, offend. But understand, you have an ability as a parent to, to truly mold and shape your children. That's biblical. And we're instructed and commanded, exhorted, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, exhorted to do so. And when you first take the cap off of, of Plato, it's... it's kind of easy to mold, it's new, it's impressionable, it's a flexible. Um, what happens when you leave the top off of Play-Doh? Dries out. And what happens to dry Play-Doh? Yeah. Let's say that I left this shape out right now. It's very moldable right now. And, uh, and I left that overnight. I forgot about it. What's going to happen tomorrow if I'm going to take this same Play-Doh and make it into a ball? 
probably not going to work. Now, now stay with me on this one, okay, because I am going to give you encouragement uh, and there in just a second of what can happen. But it gets old. And so there's a time frame that even though you're supposed to be able to play this and mold it, would you agree that there's a time frame that this is best moldable and shapeable? Would you agree that the Bible probably would agree and, and state that there's a time for children that they are the most pliable, the most moldable, the most teachable? Yeah. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture. We just train. Why would it say train up a child? It doesn't say train up a man. What does it say impress upon your children? It doesn't mean that these truths don't apply to adults, but it says there's a training time, there's a pliable time, there's a time when you open up and God gives you this gift of the child and, and it's pretty pliable. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I just wish that my kid was like Play-Doh. My kid is like slime. <laughs> Have you ever tried to mold slime? And I realize there's going to be years like that. In fact, one of the joys of grandparenting is to watch your kids go through those years and just sit back and kind of smile and remember all their days of rebellion going, okay, you're just getting what you gave us, okay? Clay hardens fast. Children grow up fast. And the first thing that God says, okay, make sure that you're laying a good foundation. That before you get into this formation, you have to do a foundation. They're building a house across the street from us. And they took a really long time to do, you know, they started kind of clearing the lot and doing all that kind of stuff. And they seemed like they took an exorbitant amount of time to, to lay the foundation. And then they started building the house, and all of a sudden there's like two stories there, and they start putting all this other stuff, and they started forming the house. But it was all after the foundation was settled. Those beginning years in our children's lives, and I'm not going to put a number on that, but in those beginning years from birth up to, you know, maybe young teens, guys, we have the opportunity. Not only are we instructed and commanded and exhorted to this, but we have the opportunity when it's kind of pliable, to, to do that. That doesn't mean that they're not going to go out into a harsh world and that there's going to be times that they go, you know, no, I don't want to be a Paul. You know, I want to be a stick. But if we've taught them the nature of a ball and we've taught them the beauty of being a ball and we've taught them the beauty of, of a certain thing, they, they may go out and want to be another shape and yet there will at least be that resonant part of their mind and their heart always knowing you know, I was called to be a ball. Do you see where we're going with that? I mean, you're smart people. When we're called to instruct our children in the ways of the gospel and the beauty of Christ in this oppressional age when they're still kind of young and we kind of mold them. And so I said, Bobby, that's, that's, like, that's like brainwashing. That's not right. Every child should make their own decision. Let me tell you this, guys, and you can fire me next week. They will have more than enough time to make their own decisions, I promise you. You take every opportunity you have in the tenderness of their faith, in the tenderness of their childhood, in the growingness of their teens, you take every opportunity you can to show them Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus, okay? Don't apologize. Man, if they want to choose this when they're 24 or 28, they will. 
But God's instruction isn't to give our four-year-old, well, you know, you're getting pretty old here. You make your choice. I don't want to impress anything upon you. No, we are to make that impression. Every biblical description, we are to make impressions upon our children. So we lay this foundation, and then we start a formation. And I'm going to give you four different things, modes of formation that, uh, that we, they're all good, and we all see, we see the purpose of all of them. One of the modes that we can easily get into, and I was worried about this one. Only had three big ones, and it worked at home. And it's not going to work here. Ah, (laughs) Play-Doh. This first one... It worked at home and it worked this morning. I, they were all four standing this morning, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> the first way that we can kind of mold our kids is this mode of disaster prevention. And these usually come at very stressful times of our lives. And uh, we, we see rebellion in our children. And on those days, we just want to be able to go you know, to bed at night knowing that they're not in jail. And, 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 and I'm not being silly here. I've been with families when their greatest hope for that particular day was disaster prevention. And I understand that. And if you haven't been there with your children, I pray you never have to go there, but don't be surprised if you have to show up there. That really your hope that day is, man, you know, today I'm just forgetting Jesus a little bit because I just don't want them to make a, you know, to ruin their life. And that's kind of a mo. There it goes. That was close. And we always had the whole Lord's Supper stuff there, but that was good. The goal is to stay out of trouble. How, how many of you, just by honest examination of your own parenting style, have said before, yeah, I've been there before, that for that day, cue your holding up your hand as a self-confession that you put your parents through that? I mean, have you been through it, guys? And I'm not saying that that's not a good thing. I'm just saying that's not the best thing. But, but we might be there. Another one, and, and we really understand this, is self-supporting. Again, we can go back to that joke about, uh, you know, we don't want the kids at 37 still be living in the basement, you know, and that we're paying for their food. This and the other. We, we want to grow kids that can go out there and uh, get a family, get a, a life, and kind of be, you know, go out there. And the goal is that they can take care of themselves. And sometimes that's a really important part of our parenting, that we just, we're striving that. Hey, this is why you get a good education. This is why you try hard. This is why you do this and that. And, and really our focus kind of goes on to that. And so our formation, to go back to our, to our Play-Doh, we're forming the day, hey, you, you know, you got to go to the best schools. you got to make the best grades. I get that. Because why? We want you to be self-supporting. There's another good motivation that we have. I'm not saying it's the highest motivation, but it's a good one. We just want them to be a good person. We want them to contribute to society. And I want you to grow up. I just want you to have a good life. And I want you just, you know, that when people speak of you, they speak of you favorably. Is there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with the first one, disaster prevention? Is there anything wrong with this one? No. These are part of the parenting that you're going to do. 
There's to, all three of these are going to be things that you're going to be doing as you parent and grow and mold a child. But this is the ultimate call. The ultimate call isn't to have the fastest guy on the football team or the, the highest GPA so they can get into that. That's all good. Who doesn't want that for their children? There's nothing evil about that. But this is the utmost call that we see biblically is that as we start forming our child, we lay this foundation of the gospel and we start forming them in the way that we teach them and we love them and, and they just do life, that we want them to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Honestly, there, there's going to be days that we're going to be living out each one of these. So how do we do that? Let me give you about five things here. Number one, realize if you're a parent, you are a primary influencer. Your kids are going to have a lot of influencers on their life, but biblically and in actuality, in reality, you are the greatest influencers in your children's life. Number two, the greatest that you, gift that you can give to your children is a sincere and great and passionate love for Jesus Christ. When you really just love Christ, it will get noticed. Sometimes by your kids, it's going to get noticed in, in almost kind of an act, like, Mom, really? Dad, really? Got to go to church again? <laughs> we just went last week. <laughs> Why do we have to believe all this? Why do we always have to? They're gonna, you, they may not always show a, a mental or an emotional agreement, but I promise you guys, I promise you that there's nothing that settles a child's soul more than sincere love for Christ that they see reflected around them. It brings a calm that nothing else can bring. A third thing that we see there is to surround your child with like-minded influencers. And that's what we're going to cover next week, how to build a crowd, a, a cloud of witnesses around your children, a tribe of people that think like you think. It's one of the roles of the church. The other thing, we pray continually for those that have input to your children. And when you leave today, there's a, a piece of paper, 10 things that you can pray for your children this year. And please grab one of those when you, when you leave. And it's really good just about praying for your children, praying specifically. You know the greatest way to mold your child? It's to hold your child. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, you just hold them. You've heard my story come from a very loving family, never doubted being loved, but we were not touchers. I say that we were the Spock family. No emotions. Now, never forget the day I was off at seminary. So I'm a, I'm a married man. I'm off, about to start my own family. Talking to my dad on the phone. Love you, son. First time ever. Love you too, Dad. Never doubted it. Always showed it, but we never spoke it. 
See, the way that you mold, when, when clay gets hard, you try to really bend it back fast, what's going to happen? It's going to break its brittle. Try this next time. I'm not saying it's always going to work with Play-Doh, but I've seen it work a lot with kids. They get in a shape that you really don't want them to be in and it's kind of hardened. You hold them, and there's two things that happen. There's the oil from your hands on Play-Doh, and there's the heat of your body. And you, if you can't do it fast. If you just try to go in there and change it immediately, brittle, you got pieces all over the place, and it just breaks. You take that Play-Doh, and you hold it, and the moisture and the heat of your body and the moisture and the oil of your hand comes, and all of a sudden it starts to, to soften that up. If you hold it long enough, it will take uh, not that really old, old, old Play-Doh, but you know, Play-Doh is pretty tough, and it will start to make it moldable and bendable and formable again. That's what Christ did for me. In my rebellion, did he just come in there and say, okay, boom, I'm going to break you of that? He held me. He began to transform my mind and my heart like it says in Romans 12. He did that. And the blood from his hands and the warmth and the victory of his resurrection and his victory all of a sudden became my victory. And he took that hardness as the Bible says, he took out that old hold, the hard heart, and he replaced it with the heart of flesh. We're going to live in these modes all the time. This is not bad. Your kid gets into this school or gets that accolade or is the, the best one on the team and has voted this. That's all good. We are to have the favor of man. But this is your calling, parents and grandparents. This is your calling. And I can tell you that it doesn't always happen because we cite verses and we tell them, well, this is what God has commanded and this is what's going to happen. No, we just hold them. We just hold them in grace and love in the same way that Christ has held us in grace and love. And slowly but surely molds us more and more, the Bible says in Romans, more and more into the image of the Son. a great task and yet we have a great God that leads us we're about to pray and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to lead us in a corporate prayer our kids are in another room but, but here's what I encourage you to do to uh, take maybe even those ten uh, that prayer list that we have in the back but sometime if you haven't already done it because I know school started Friday for m- many of you if you haven't already done it just to pray for your kids in the new school year and to take them physically and pray for them. But many of our kids are in the back today. And so I'm just going to lead us in a corporate prayer for our school system and our leaders and the influencers. And after that, we're going to sing uh, a song. And the song that we're going to sing is called The Creed. Um, just, these are the things that we believe. Because back in, in the ages of Christianity, uh, starting about 125, about 120, a century after Christ was here, they came out with uh, the Apostles' Creed. You know, remember back in those days, a lot of people were illiterate. They, did, they didn't read. And so they said, okay, we're going to put this you know, to, to kind of memorization, and here's the truths that we believe. And people kind of memorized that rotely. 
And then you have the Nicene Creed, and you have different things like that. Maybe you're familiar with catechisms. And the purpose of catechism wasn't just to teach a strict religion. What it was is to, to teach kids the fundamentals, the foundation of the faith, so that you could, in those formation years, start to build upon that. And so our closing prayer today is going to be singing that song collectively, the creed. This is what we believe. These are the, these are the essentials. This is the foundation that we're going to build our kids' lives upon. And our house is going to reflect that this is truth. But first, let's pray together. Let's pray for our kids and for our teachers. And let me pray for you this morning. Father God, there will never be a nobler calling in life than to parent little baby humans. There will never be joys that will be quite as high when we're successful and there will never be the heartbreak and the pain when they're not. And so, Father, there's going to be days that we are in disaster prevention. Father, there's going to be days that that we're going to say, okay, in order to compete in this world, you have to do this, this, and this. Father, all these different modes of shaping our kids make sense to us. And yet, Father, we thank you that you've made it very clear that the call upon our lives, the most noble call, the biblical call, is that, Father, that we would raise our kids up to see what passion for you really is. And so we need your help. Because, God, to be honest, there's days that we're not really passionate about you. And, Father, some of us are really feeling the effects of that clay hardening. And we see the teenage years and, and some of the older years coming along. And, Father, it, to be honest, it's bringing fear to our heart. Because we see the culture around them and we begin to see the influence that that culture has. And the protection of the home isn't always there. And so, Father, we need prayer. And Father, we, we, we pray for our schools today. For Father, this is, whether it's homeschool, whether it's public school, Christian school, Father, this is where our kids are going to meet other kids that are going to have influence in their life. And so, Father, we do pray today that, that our kids will surround themselves with wise choices of friends. Father, we pray for teachers. Our, our church is blessed to have so many people in the education uh, arena, Father, and, and have influence on our, our county and city schools here. And we thank you for that. But Father, we lift them up before you because we know it's a, a really hard task. And there's days that they want to say this, but they're prohibitive of saying that. There's days that they want to do this. And Father, they're overwhelmed. It's just the task of, of, of teaching. Father, we pray for our church. That truly this will be a place, a sanctuary, out of a culture where parents can find encouragement, where kids can find fun and joy and peace. And Father, that we can help these parents and grandparents lay this foundation of the truths of the gospel. Father, thank you that you have not left us 
without something to stand and sing and proclaim as truth in our lives. And we pray that we'd be busy about that, Father. So, Father, perhaps even today, help us to go home and to hold our kids while we're molding them. And, Father, some of these kids are bigger than their parents. Father, let us, let's not let that kind of take us away from saying, Son, you come here for just a second. Sit in my lap and let me just hold you today and tell you the hope that I have for you in Jesus Christ. May we never get too old, our kids get too old, that we can't hold them as we're molding them. We love you and we thank you, Father. Thank you for this grand call that you've given us. We thank you for partners to to do it with. And now, Father, we we thank you for the truth that, that we use as a foundation for their lives. And, Father, we, we close out this service this morning just singing this song to you, thanking you for truth and proclaiming this truth in our lives. We love you and we thank you and pray all of this in the hope that is Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.